Let's bow our heads for a little prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we are grateful to you down inside for what you've done. Now we ask that you will open our hearts and minds that we might understand who you are, that it might fill us with confidence. We might know God down inside close. And so help us, Lord, to understand. Open our minds that we might see what we have not seen before. That we might come to treasure the Lamb of God, as a wonderful friend that he is. Bless us now in his service, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Our text is in the Gospel of Matthew. We'll be in Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 15 for our text today. Chapter 15 of Matthew's Gospel for our text. We continue a series about God and who he is. And what Jesus said to help to, us to understand who God is. Somewhere around the year 1920, my grandfather left Norway to come to America in search of opportunity. He went to work in the shipyards of New York City. And he saved every penny so he could bring his family to America. And my father was seven years old when that family left behind a little farm in Norway and immigrated to America. At that time, there were six children in the family. The trip to America was no picnic. They came over on a ship. And my grandmother carefully instructed the six children, if you sit on any chair of the deck of this ship, never lean back. Only sit on the edge of each chair because all the deck chairs were covered with lice. And one of the sailors on the ship grabbed my father, who was seven years old, and held him upside down by his ankles over the side of the ship in the middle of the North Atlantic Ocean. It's a pretty scary thing. For a seven-year-old boy. And they came into America through Ellis Island in New York City, like so many did. And of course, they went by the Statue of Liberty, which reads, Give me your tired and your poor and your huddled masses yearning to be free. Those are welcoming words, but the reality was a little bit different. When my father and his siblings went to school, of course, they couldn't speak English, so they had to take special classes to learn the English language. And one of the first words they learned was gutter rats, because the teacher called those young immigrants gutter rats, not exactly a term of affection. And so it was that those young Norwegian immigrants experienced prejudice, well, they didn't die from it. I suppose my father and his siblings only grew closer to each other from their experience of prejudice when they first arrived in America. We hear the word prejudice quite often in these days, don't we? It seems to be a common complaint in our society today. The words prejudice come from the word or to prejudge. The dictionary defines it as a preconceived idea that is usually unfavorable, 
or a bias or an opinion held in disregard to the facts. Or in other words, we prejudge people and we make up our minds about people before we really get to know them. They didn't know those young, what they called them, gutter rats very well. Three of those Norwegian gutter rats would join the armies and the services in World War II and fight for their country. Those were prejudiced without the facts, as the definition is. Prejudice is simply a part of the human condition. The second man on earth, the Bible tells us, was Cain, and Cain complained to God that people would prejudge him and treat him unfairly just because he murdered his brother Abel. <laughs> Ever since the beginning of time, people have hated other people for no good reason. It seems in our society that the idea is embraced, if you hate somebody, then we'll hate you back. And so hatred has become very common in our society. It was Jesus of Nazareth who taught the real answer to hatred and prejudice when he instructed us with these words, Love your enemies, do good to them that hate you, and pray for those who despitefully use you. He said, Don't live your lives by the idea of an eye for an eye. But rather, he said, turn the other cheek. I suppose no one ever experienced more prejudice than Jesus himself. They hated him because he was Galilean. They hated him because he was poor. They hated him because he was uneducated in their schools. They hated him because he was popular. They hated him because he was always right. They hated him for doing good. And finally they hated him so much that they killed him. So often we simply misunderstand people. And Jesus was certainly a very misunderstood person. Today in our text we will read about an incident that happened when Jesus was misunderstood as a matter of fact, to this day, people read this passage and still misunderstand it. Jesus is still being charged with prejudice by people who do not understand. I want to read the text to you and show you what I mean so you can see how easy it is to misunderstand. So I want to read it and let you decide when you hear it. Is Jesus prejudice? So I'm in Matthew chapter 15. I'm going to read this short story starting at verse number 21. Matthew 15, verse 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. 
But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meek to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. So here's a woman, she's a foreigner, a Canaanite, who comes to Jesus for help. First, he won't even answer her. He ignores her. Second, he says, I'm only called to help Jewish people. And third, he says to her, it's not right to take children's food and give it to dogs. So he ignored her. He said, I'm only called to help Jewish people, and he called her a dog. Sounds like a pretty harsh treatment from a man who said, love your enemies, doesn't it? And many a careless reader has read this story and come to that conclusion. I have read pages and pages of such conclusions. But now... We shall read it more carefully, examine it more closely, and see if we can come up with a better explanation. So let's begin and see if we can prove that Jesus was not prejudiced against this woman. First of all, the story takes place up north, north in Israel, as far as you can go and still be in Israel. It's right at the border of Syria and Phoenicia, up north of Galilee. Jesus has gone there for a very special reason. He's trying to get away from Galilee, where he's been preaching. And he comes to this place with the intention of spending a few days in seclusion, just to get away. But he barely arrives, and the news spreads like wildfire. Jesus has come to our town. So a woman who is a Canaanite comes looking for Jesus. Now the Canaanites were the people who 2,000 years before had lived in the promised land, and they were driven out by the Israelites. And so she was a descendant of those people who had been there for so long. She can't help that she's a Canaanite. Now, I'm half Norwegian. Nobody ever gave me an application and said, fill this out and let's see what you want to be when you grow up. I was born this way through no fault of my own. I'm half Norwegian. And it's no fault of this lady that she was born a Canaanite. That's just the way it was. She was born that way. But she finds out Jesus has come to town. And Jesus has never been there before. It's the first time ever. She's got a problem. Her daughter has a demon and suffers terribly from that demon possession. And if the daughter suffers, then because of a motherly love for her daughter, naturally 
the mother is suffering and as she comes to Jesus her heart is breaking because she sees the torment her daughter suffers from the demon that possesses her so she comes to the place where Jesus and his disciples are gathered and she cries out very loudly son of David have mercy on me my daughter is vexed with a demon now it says that Jesus didn't answer her he didn't say anything now listen my friends sometimes my wife asks me a question and when I don't answer she says if you answer me inside of your head I can't hear it <laughs> I can't hear what you're thinking you're going to have to answer me out loud and sometimes I'm still thinking about the answer to her question, and I'll answer it when I'm done thinking about it. Now listen, my friends. There was something in this woman's question that made Jesus stop and think. You see, when she asked for help, she said, Have mercy on me, son of David. That was a problem. Now Jesus has come way up north, way in the borders of Israel, right on the, in the, almost to a foreign country, and he's come up there for a very special reason. He was down in Galilee preaching to huge crowds, thousands of people gathered to hear him, to be healed, and to hear him preach. And one day after a very long, all-day-long session, Jesus said to his disciples, let's feed these people before we send them home. And the di disciples said, all we got is this little boy's lunch. He's got five little dinner rolls and two dried fish. What good is that when 5,000 people need to be fed? Jesus said, have him sit down, and he took the boy's lunch, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he fed 5,000 people with five little rolls and two dried fish. It was a stunning miracle. Indeed, an amazing thing. And as they ate that food, there began to be a whisper among them that got louder and louder, turned into a movement. And they said, you know, this is great. It's a free lunch. We could have free lunch every day. My friends, still today, people try to get votes by offering free lunch, don't they? <laughs> well, those 5,000 people, after that good lunch, said, he needs to be our king. So we're going to take him by force and make him our king right now. Jesus heard what they were planning, and it says he quietly slipped away. Because Jesus doesn't want to be a bread king. The people said, be our king. Give us what we want every day. That's not the way Jesus wants to operate. So he left Galilee, he left that maddening movement, and he went up north to get away from the selfish idea that Jesus should be their bread king. Now this woman comes to Jesus and says, Son of David, have mercy on me. Because she thought David was a great king. 
And so this son of David, he's going to be a king. He's going to give me what I want. Jesus doesn't respond because he's thinking, I'm not a king who just passes out bread or pass out healing. But the woman keeps shouting, have mercy on me, son of David. Now notice carefully what happens. The disciples say to Jesus, she keeps hounding us. She's yelling and shouting and hollering. Why don't you just send her away? Get her out of here. And when that woman heard the disciples tell Jesus to send her away, she waited. But Jesus never responded. He didn't say anything. He didn't say, send her away. So she's got hope, still some hope. But he did say something. I am sent to the lost sheep of Israel. And if you misunderstand, you will say, see, Jesus only wants to help Jewish people. But that's not what he's saying. What he exactly said was, I am sent to lost sheep. I'm not a bread king who just hands out free lunches. I'm a shepherd in search of lost sheep, lost people, people who are spiritually lost, people who need something inside in their heart. That's who I came to help. So don't come to me asking a favor like you would from a king. Rather, come to me like a lost sheep comes to the shepherd. I want to lead you. I want to guide you. I want to keep you safe. And the woman grasps his meaning and she comes and falls down in front of him and says, Lord, help me. My friends, I want to tell you that's my favorite prayer. I pray it all the time. Just three words. Lord, help me. That's a great prayer. Pray it all you want. The woman didn't say, Son of David, help me. This time she said, Lord, or Master, be my shepherd, help me. Good progress. She's beginning to understand how Jesus worked. He doesn't just give handouts. He wants a relationship. He'll be a shepherd if you'll follow like a sheep. He'll be a master if you'll be his servant. She's getting there. But one more step is needed. Now picture this scene. She's kneeling down in front of Jesus on the ground. He didn't send her away. So she came closer and closer. And now right in front of him, right by his feet, she's on the ground. And she pleads, Lord, help me. Now, the plea is not for herself. Remember, she pleads for her daughter. What Jesus says next is easy to misunderstand. He says it's not proper to take the children's food and give it to the dogs. Now, some people think Jesus is calling her a dog. I don't think so. That's not what I think. The other day at our house, we had some small people there for dinner. And we had spaghetti. Well, some small people like spaghetti with sauce on it. 
and other small people like spaghetti with butter. When you put on that child's plate what they like best, it's food for children. And so they got served in a special way what they like best. It's a very logical idea. You don't fix a child's plate just what they like, just the way they want to eat it. And you don't put it all on a plate like that and then throw it on the floor for the dog to eat. You ever watch a dog eat? <laughs> they gobble everything down, don't taste a thing. You don't just take a nice plate all prepared for a child and feed it to the dog. Jesus said to the woman, you want something from my table. Everything on my table is valuable. It's children's food, especially prepared. And we don't want to use that good food to feed dogs. Or in other words, your daughter needs something. She needs help. Do you understand just how valuable the thing is that you have asked for? How priceless it really is. We don't take good food and feed it to the dogs. We don't take special blessings and treat them like dog food. You've asked for something very valuable. Freedom! Your daughter needs to be free from that demon. That's a very precious thing. Well, that woman gave a wonderful answer. She said, even the little dogs Eat the crumbs from the children's plate. The little dogs that she refers to are house dogs, small dogs that make good pets in the house. And she says, you know, Lord, children eat their food and they're always spilling things on the floor. Is that true or not? (laughs) How true? Nobody minds if the dogs eat the crumbs that fall on the floor from off the children's plate. I got to tell you, this is a wonderful lady. She is quick-witted. How quickly she grasps in her mind what Jesus is teaching. What is on Jesus' table anyway? Oh, it's full. It's a full table to be sure. He healed the blind and the lame. He healed the deaf and the dumb. He healed leprosy and withered hands. He healed fever and crooked backs. The table is full. And the woman says, all I want is a crumb from your wonderful table. Free my daughter from her demon. That's all I ask. For you, it's just a crumb. But for me, it's all I need. It's all I want. I'll be a little dog. But in the master's house, even the dogs are well cared for. What a wonderful answer. Jesus said, you really are a wonderful mother. You get it. You understand what I'm talking about. You have faith and you believe. So I grant your request. Go home. Your daughter is set free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My friends, Jesus said this once. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob are going to sit down at a great table. And people from the north and the south and the east and the west are going to come and sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Not because they're Jewish, 
but because they believe. They have faith in Jesus. That's what gets you a place at the table. That woman wasn't a dog eating crumbs over under the table. That's not what she was. She, by her faith, sat down and joined in the table with all those who believe. So I hope you understand this today. Jesus doesn't just give handouts. He's not a bread king. He's a shepherd to lead you and to guide you. And he has wonderfully valuable things to give you. A table set full of special food for children. If you believe in him and you trust in him, have confidence in Jesus. And you can sit at the table. Now it is true, a crumb from his table is a feast. But you can have all you want. So today I urge you to begin the relationship, first of all, and then enjoy the feast. And may God bless you as you take a chair at his table. See how easy it is to misunderstand, huh? And how good it is when you understand what Jesus says. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we're glad to understand you. We're glad to know that you want a deeper relationship with us. You want more from us than just gimme, gimme. So we're thankful to do our best to come to you and to listen to you and understand the generosity of your heart. And we do know that what we get from you is very valuable indeed. And when we get from you salvation and forgiveness and a home in heaven, what a priceless thing that is. So we agree that even the crumbs from your table are all we need. We know that we've been invited to sit and feast, and we are grateful for that feast. Bless us now, Lord, as we think of these things. Help us to understand Jesus and to respond to him in the way that he wants to be responded to. Bless these folks because they have been here today. May they find a special blessing in knowing who you are. And may it fill their hearts with joy and peace. May they take from here something they didn't come with. Bless us, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Finish up with a song. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. It's right in your bulletin, right below the hymn. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Stand together as we sing.
Lord, we just pray that our hearts would be set on you this day. Whatever things are troubling us, we know this lady had things that were troubling her in her life, and there is no other place, no other place of great glory, no other place where the table is so full, except at the side of Jesus. And we know that you have offered for us to come to this place, and that we could eat our full at the table. Whatever it is in our life that troubles us, we know that you have these things in your hand, and we may not understand it, but we know that you can do mighty things. We pray that we would have the faith that we need to come and seek you out. Pray that little prayer, help me Jesus, be with us Lord. We thank you Lord for your protection on this place and this special place that we can have that is in your hand with your spirit we know where two or three are gathered together there you are in the midst of us and we thank you for that promise and the many promises of God they are yea and amen forever and ever we thank you we ask for your protection and your care over all these people wherever they are beyond the, in the internet and across the world and in this place Lord we know that you have great things and you have a great plan so we ask for your help your guidance in your name we pray for all these things. Amen. 